That was pretty good. That was pretty good. You guys must have rehearsed that. Really good. And once again, thank you, Paul and Mimi and Leslie. Uh, let's take our Bibles this afternoon, and uh, I'd like you to turn to Psalm chapter 37. Psalm chapter 37. We'll read just the first eight verses. Psalm chapter 37. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. For fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. May God add a special blessing to reading of his word. Let us just pause for prayer prior to our study this afternoon. Father, we thank you for the day that you've given to us. We especially thank you for the opportunity we have now to praise and to worship you. Thank you for receiving it, and Father, for desiring it, and Father, for opening your heart and, your, and the very essence of yourself through the Word of God, allowing us to see you more clearly. These moments before us, now, I, Father, I'd ask for your will and your way to be accomplished. We would ask that through these moments before us that we would all be, com- be conformed to the image of your Son. Thank you, Father, for working in us and on us. You're faithful to complete it, even to the day of redemption, and Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. But now, Father, we ask for these moments to be not only all of yours, but that you would teach us exclusively through the Holy Spirit. That they would be moments of refreshment to us and encouragement, and allowing us to see you more clearly. Thank you for what you're accomplishing now, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, today, um, what we're going to talk about might be a little bit strange. Um, from how it came about, but it was about, I was working on different things, and uh, and it was, the time was moving on, and that means that three o'clock is getting closer, and I probably should have something, <laughs> and uh, so I was actually maybe a little bit worried about it, so what would be a better thing to talk about than worry, so I started studying about worrying, and what we should and shouldn't do, so this, this study today is because I was kind of late in getting what I needed, and I was worrying about not being able to tell you what we were going to do, so while we were worrying, I was going to talk about worrying. So how about that? <laughs> Doesn't sound very good, does it? But, but it's interesting, though. There's uh, the life, the, the society in which we find ourselves, the culture, and all of us. As you're sitting there today, your lives really have an awful lot of opportunity to be filled with anxiety and st- whatever you want to call it, worry, stress. Christians have stress too, <laughs> believe it or not. That's the way it is. Our life is very busy and very uh, crazy. And uh, one of the things that Paul mentioned today uh, <clears throat> in regards to uh, Josh, I'd like to, tell, I'd like to share that story with you because my, my heart is very concerned for his wife, Kristen, and their two children. But I hadn't talked to, just to fill you in a little bit, um, Josh and, and I go back probably 19 or 20 years in the cattle business. Uh, he raises Red Angus uh, uh, seed stock as well. And uh, it was about 19 years ago they actually bought a, a bull from us. And uh, that relationship has went on. I didn't know a lot about his personal life, though. Um, he's from Washington, and he and another good friend of my, of his, Carl, uh, Carl Lautenschlager, just good folks. And, uh, you know, just get to know them a little more. They come to sales. And, and then Josh actually uh, owned a very... Astute businessman actually owned three Ford dealerships, but his love, his real love was to run cows full-time. That was what he wanted to do. And about four or five years ago, he sold those car dealerships and purchased the Nine Mile Ranch. And he and his wife, uh, Kristen, uh, which I haven't, I don't know Kristen very well, but we'll be getting into that in a moment. Um, But he just, you know, we we stay in contact and we talk, we actually partnered on cattle. And this summer, I hadn't talked to him for whatever reason. And, uh, 
we had some, there was some semen sales that we had kind of gotten slipped through the cracks that we owed him for, um, and we finally got it together, and I called him last, probably a week ago, and said, hey, Josh, finally got that stuff done, and then something came up, and I had to talk to someone else. He, he said, call me when you can, and, you know, time goes on. And Tuesday morning, he called me, he said, Larry, just thinking of you this morning, uh, uh, Shelby, his little girl, and him, they were taking some bulls to the sale barn in, in Washington, and he said, I was just, uh, just thinking of you this morning. And I say, hey, thanks, appreciate that. So we just chit-chat. I don't know how or why or what, but somewhere in our conversation, I mentioned, I said, why don't you listen to the last uh, podcast? On, I, might, I, don't, I don't even know how we got there. I don't remember that part of it. He said, hey, yeah, I'll do that. So Wednesday morning, he texts me this. And I'll just do better just reading it. Larry. I woke this morning to prepare my heart and plugged into the Ruby Valley Bible Church podcast, episode 28 of October 6, 19. Now, I had told him I wanted him to listen to the last one last week's. It just seemed to fit what he and I were talking about. But the one he picked was October 6. I wanted to encourage you in your work in Christ as I have been encouraged by your sermon. Not often does the passion of Christ and the movement of the Spirit appear so obvious, but I find it to be awesome that it does does when a man of Christ attempts to explain God's love. If I could go to church on Sunday and that is all I heard, it would be all I would need. Thank you and please encourage your church for me as well as my son and I were blown away this morning with this message. God be with you, my friend in Christ. That was Wednesday morning. So I I actually, uh, and that's a boost of encouragement. I mean, that's pump, right? It's cool. So I was in the chopper, which I didn't know Paul was going to do that. But uh, it, well, you're, uh, texting is not a good thing for me while I'm in the chopper. So I've got a headset, but I can call people. And so I called. I left a quick message for Josh. I said, "Josh, thanks a million for that. Uh, maybe catch up with you later." Wednesday night, he called me. It was late in the evening. We were actually—I'll never forget where I was at because it was probably an hour, and I'm just doing my thing. And I have never heard him or maybe anybody. That on fire for Christ. He was, he, that's all he could talk about. Now, you have to understand Josh is very passionate, very energetic, very enthusiastic about anything he does. But I've never had a conversation where we weren't talking about cattle somewhere within it. Because that's just, he, he loves that. It's just what he, and, and he lives that. Not Wednesday night. He could not, he was just, he was just so pumped up, so fired up. And, uh, and then... He said, tomorrow morning I gotta get up at 4.30 and go to Middle Fork, which would be two hours from his place to go to the summer country. Or I'm thinking it's about two hours. And he said, tomorrow morning when I'm going, I'm going to listen to the message you really wanted me to listen to, and then I'll get back to you. Never came home. And I got that message on because he's out of cell, cell range service. And I remember this, and it kind of fits in a little more with what we're doing today. In my devotions on Thursday morning, the opening line was, I actually highlighted it. Anxiety is the result of envisioning a future without God. And it just, it was so good. It was just so, you know, it was short but so concise. And I, I remember, I remember it's, it's right there. I looked at it again this morning. And uh, Thursday, somewhere on that ranch, his side-by-side rolled, and he didn't come home. They went the next morning and uh, found him underneath the the side-by-side. And I don't understand a lot of that. Don't know Kristen very well, but I waited for a day, and I finally texted her that we were praying for her. That were, you know, just stuff, you know. I could read it, but it, it, my heart was, she called me just that fast. And she said, Larry, I don't know what it was in that message, but Josh was so amazingly fired up. We went on a date Wednesday night. It was so good. And we came home, and he called you, <laughs> which I was okay with. Really, ultimately, I really was, because I, I wanted Josh to just become a stronger man of God. That was what my prayer was for him. And she called me again this morning, and this is what I want you guys to pray about. 
is she's asked that I would go to Washington and give that message a condensed version because she said, I know Josh would want everyone to hear that. So I'm praying about that. I prayed with Kristen this morning, and uh, we're just trusting God with that. That's probably on Friday, okay? So I don't know what God's up to right now. There's something really wild going on. Did you, all of those things just fitting together is pretty crazy. So, But the one thing that just sticks out to me is Josh revealed to me Wednesday night. He said, you know, Larry, you talked about the fact of making Jesus comfortable in my heart. And he's not just a Sunday encounter. You remember that? You guys remember when I was, I, you, those of you who were here, I kind of sat here kind of making, just making it look comfortable or whatever. And I was thinking of that, and he said, that Larry just hit me with a ton of bricks. He said, you know what? I need to make, comfort, I'm ending to make comfort my Jesus every single moment of every single day. And yesterday morning, to me was, Josh made Jesus comfortable in his heart, and today, Josh is comfortable in the Savior's house. And Kristen's doing really pretty good. She really is. She's excited for what God's going to do in Josh's absence. She's hurting, obviously. But I know I needed to tell this because you guys are praying people. And please pray for Kristen and Jackson and Shelby, 8-year-old and 5-year-old. And for myself as well, I, I don't know, I just, I was a little bit worried, right? right. <laughs> so let's talk about worry now, all right? <laughs> what can we do? Tell me what worry is, first of all. Tell me what worry is. Any of you ever experienced it? Oh, no, I'm going to have to pick another sermon then. <laughs> no one's ever been worried. <laughs> so what would you say worry is? Just in a practical terms, what, you, what is worry? That, that you just get that envisioning a future without God and that anxiety. That's, well, that's the result, yeah. Let me, I'm going to say that again. I, it's really worth writing down. Uh, anxiety or worry is the result of envisioning a future without God. That is absolutely the truth, isn't it? That's truly exactly what it is. Tell me what worry does to you, since now Paul was quick enough to tell me that we already had a definition for worry, right? <laughs> That's okay. What does worry do to you? Excuse me? You lose sleep. And why is that? I'm just not getting you quite where I want, but that's good. That's okay. And you're wondering what I'm doing up here. It'll all make sense later. But I've drawn three circles on the board. Well, it totally changes your body. You know, you can't think, you can't sleep. Sometimes you can't eat. Things are in your mind. You get sick easier. Worry is just really bad for you. And why is that? You're trying to fix something yourself instead of asking God. Let's, let's play with that for a minute. Ernie said you're trying to fix something. Say, finish that, please. You're trying to fix something yourself. Yourself, yep, okay. Now, the difference, has anybody been concerned this week? Oh, come on, I'm not going to, yes, please raise some hands. If you're not concerned, you're dead, is what it amounts to. You need to be concerned about stuff. And, and the difference between concern and worry, now, in my own life, I've shared this with you before, and that is the fact, if I can't sleep, that is worry. If I can go to bed at night, and I have concerns for the next day, and I say, Lord God, I don't know how that's going to work out, I've done what I can do, or I'm going to do what I can do, and I, I leave it there. That's concern for me. Now, concern is actually, it's not, again, in any sense, slipping away or setting aside responsibility that you have. That's part of the right approach to do nothing or to care nothing about. That's the indifference would be the totally opposite of worry. To be totally indifferent, who cares about anything? Now, our society is pretty good at that, too. Who cares? I don't care. Right? If you heard, or maybe you've never heard that. Of course you have, right? Okay? But there's a, there's a, there's a balance. And, and worry is concerning yourself about things that you have no control over. Let me give you a personal example today. We still have 400 acres of wheat over there in the Annis Valley, in the Madison Valley. Cannot get it combined. 
each and every day that goes by, the chances of it being harvestable go down. Those are facts. So now what could I do about it to make it so that I could really mess myself up? I could worry about it. I could spend walking the floors at night, but I don't know what I'm going to do about that. I, you know, I just don't know. I wonder if I could, well, I, no, that won't work. And, and you go back and forth. I have no control over that, do I? Now, if the weather ever gets right, which is in God's hands, to where we can go get it, I need to be ready to do that. Just like it was for Hang, right, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> or, or the rest, the, the, the farming ranching game this summer was crazy. It was crazy. We're still doing, in fact, that, that job that you saw yesterday, chopping corn silage, was over south of Three Forks. And it was drier than we would have liked because of the frost that just encompassed everything in southwestern Montana. And so you can only do so many things. Now, I could worry about it. And actually, I had some anxiety yesterday about the owner of this ranch where I'm at because it's a custom job. Oh, man, I hope he's okay with that. This is how that was. It was really cool. I got to share this with you, right? Because it, it is drier than it should be, and we're bagging it. What makes it, there's advantages. But anyway, at the end of the and that was not an HP that Kurt was doing business with. It was a DOT guy, right? <laughs> Trucks, DOT weighing, get it? Not much fun. So I get everybody's calling me and says, uh, "Hey, Dad." Well, Laramie called. He said, "Dad, you got a DOT done." I said, "Shh, everybody else, just we're done. We're done for right now. We're just time out." So then I go to the end, and here's the owner. I'm thinking, oh, well, I just want to get this over with, too, because he's going to ask me how dry. You know, you can see the, right? I could have worried about it. But I had, I had responsibility. I went and talked to the, the gentleman. He said, how dry is it? Oh, I said, we're probably in the upper 40s, maybe touching 50. No, that was maybe touching 50. You see, that was, that was, that was optimistic. And we were, we were right there. And once in a while, we probably touched 50% moisture. That's, that's lower moisture than we'd certainly like for corn silage. He says, well, that's higher than I thought. <laughs> right? He says, what are you doing now? He said, well, actually, sir, I've got to go probably talk to a DOT guy to just figure out what we've got to do for the rest of this day, right? Oh, he says, well, I'll give you a ride down there. So we do that, and then I've got something else I've got to do. When I just pull up, the guy had taken off, which I'm thinking was a God gift for me not to have to visit because Kurt had worked it out. No fines. That's amazing, right? This is on tape, so I've got to be really careful how far I take this right now, right? <laughs> but at any rate, do you see, see all these little things that can just eat at you, and, and, they're, and they're just grabbing. And you know what, they, you know what the, the Greek word for that worry is, or even the Old Testament word? It's to choke. That is what worry does to you. It squeezes the life right out of you. And that does change you. And it's usually over stuff you have no control over whatsoever. Nothing. And for me, the further off in the future that I go, the more likely I am, the chances of worrying, because there's nothing I can do about tomorrow. Sound familiar? Sounds real familiar, doesn't it? All right. I probably left some branches out there in a little bit, but I want to go back to... Uh, did, I've probably left something. Did, did you guys answer all my questions? Sure you did. Sure you did. We'll have more. You're wondering what the three circles are on the board? No, nobody wants to know yet. Okay, very good. <laughs> Excellent. 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 Now, one of the things we want to point out is, uh, is, in some sense, especially for Christians, those that have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, worry is very, it's really a form of hypocrisy. Now, think of, stay with me. It's, what do you mean hypocrisy? Well, we say with our lips, we say with that we have faith in Christ, we have faith in God, we trust Him, and then when we worry, what is that saying with our lives? We're, we're making God a liar. Let's look, at some, let's look at some promises that He gives to us. You might jot these down, or maybe not, but I want you to just see some clarity in what He's talking about in protecting us. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And we know, and a lot of these are very familiar because you've clung to them as promises. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? And we'd like to cling to that. Now, if we worry, what have we just done? We said something. God is lying. That's what, I, I can't say, what do you mean? Well, that's exactly when we live our lives with worry and we've said God is lying. Let's try another one. Let's go to uh, Philippians chapter 4. Turn to the Philippians chapter 4. 
and verse 13. We'll be looking at a couple of them here. Philippians 4.13. Brethren, I count, not, I count not myself to have apprehended, Paul speaking, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, he's, he's trusting God. He's, he's allowing his life to unfold and he's pressing on. If we don't believe that, if we're worrying about it, we say God's lying. Here's another one. Wait a minute. What did I just read? That's exact. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for correcting me too, buddy. <laughs> but it worked. But it worked. And I was saying, well, that's not really what I thought it was going to be because it wasn't, right? Okay, let's try 4.13. And it says this. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Wow, powerful verse. Don't trust God? We're saying, don't believe him. Verse 19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Powerful. When we worry, we're saying, I don't believe you. Hebrews chapter 13. Let's go there for a second. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake thee. There's one I have clung to numerous times. Sometimes in the middle of the night, there's just this sense of anxiety that's overpowering. How you got it? How you woke? I don't know, but I have a decision to make. Now, what am I going to do with that? See, sometimes that almost encompasses you. Have you ever had those feelings? That they just, they're there, and you don't even know how they got there, and what am I going to do with them? That's a great verse. Hey, I'm right here with you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to leave you. I've promised to do that. I've promised. You can count on it. Now, the other thing is, is worry is about a problem that can't be solved. Now, these verses that we've just relayed is, where is God, if you're a Christian, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, where is God in any problem or circumstance or situation you find yourself in? Where is He? He's right there. He's literally right there. So now, what are we, what, what, what are we worrying about? I don't even care. Well, what do you mean? Well, is there anything that God can't handle? No, not a thing. Not one thing. There's nothing that God can't take care of. You know, that I'm coming back to just a personal issue. About, I'm not meaning it, but it's real. It's just here we are in, in, in Sheridan, Montana. That 400 acres of weed over there in Annis. God knows the result. What am I going to be concerned about? What is there? I, I want to be concerned that I'm there ready to do the work when it's ready to go. But up until then, it's in God's hands. I'm trusting him. Or I'm not. Right? 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 See, see the difference? Worry. Actually, to be divided or unstable. Isn't that, isn't that true? Worrying is standing on one foot and one toe and trying to, trying to walk. It's a, it's a problem. It's very, very serious. And when we worry, we deny the faithfulness of God. One of the, the main things, and I would say, now we're kind of getting off. I'm going to write around them. I'm going to leave these three because I want to make sure we don't forget this. This will be toward the end of our, these three circles. But number one, uh, the first thing in, in defeating worry is to trust in God. Now, how do we trust in God? Trust in the Lord. Tell me how you're going to do that. Let's say that, that sounds really good, Larry. It's Sunday afternoon. We're, we've kind of, we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about God. That's all good. We're trusting in God. Giving them to him, yeah. Proverbs 3, 6. Good stuff. How about tomorrow morning? How about Wednesday morning? How about Thursday morning? How about Friday morning? Or afternoons. I'm not biased, biased to uh, mornings. How do we do that? What does it, what does it look like? What, is, what does it look like on a Thursday night? You guys agree? There's a lot of self involved, isn't there? Well, all through our childhood, we've been taught to uh, take care of ourselves, pick yourself up, uh, 
brush the dust off and get gone. And it's indwelled in us. You know, not any fault of our parents, but that's just the way we've been taught. Okay. So now it's hard to just give it over to God. Yes. I always wonder what I trust in God, but what does He want me to do if I'm not doing it? Because I have a heart in it. Because I, yeah, I was going to take you there. In other words, one other thing, and you know, by the way, our parents. Uh, that's part of building a work ethic in it. This is this. Go get her done. Son, go get her done. Go do, right? And, and then we, we go to the next level, and then we try to do everything. Because that's, what, that's how we're built, right? And that won't work, especially over things we have no control. That's one of the things we have to come to. You have to come to that, that sense, hopefully early in your life, where, you know what, I can't, I can't handle this sin problem. It's too big. It's too gigantic. And, and, and I... I I can't fix it. And when we yield that to Jesus Christ, say, I repent of my sin and I give you everything that I am accepting your gift of grace because you did it all. And that opens a door. There's something there that opens it up now to where trust becomes reality. I can trust him with that because I trust him with the most important stuff. Now, again, not to diminish the sense of doing what we can do. I don't want to get there. It's just, I'm going to use the, I'm sorry to keep using this example, but it's so pertinent today. Now, if I just said, well, I guess, God, you're going to have to get that wheat no matter how you do it. I don't know. I don't know what you're going to do about it. Really? Really? I got to do my part. I got to get ready. I got to do everything that's capable of myself doing. Correct? But the things that I can't handle... That's okay. It's not my problem. That's up to God. I'm going to trust him with that. No matter what the outcome, it's his. That's where, that's where Kristen is today. She's trusting God. She's trusting God with the death of her spouse, sudden, tragic, all of those things hit her hard. But she's going to trust God to work it out because she knows he can be trusted. And see, worry evaporates in that kind of an environment. When we're trusting, it's hard to worry. You can't do both, can you? You can't do both, thankfully. Trusting in God. One of the things is First um, Peter chapter 5, verse 7. What does it say? You guys remember it? Casting your, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. It's just about that simple. Just literally giving it to him. Giving it to him. How do you give it to him? How do you give it to God? You put it in your mailbox and he comes and picks it up with the mail? Yeah, in prayer, exactly right. It is just that simple. You put it in the mailbox. If you're talking to God, if you're communicating with him, you're literally putting that care in his box and you're praying about it and things happen to you. There's release. There's peace. There's comfort. All of those things just... Oh, have any of you had a, a, a worry attack or an anxiety attack? You don't need to answer. It is, it is unbelievable in the sense of its, its grasp and its hold that's on you. The opposite of that is the peace of God. To just be, God's got this. It's okay. He's got this. Yes. Yeah, and I would, I would say I, that, that I mean, by the way, to be concerned about our responsibility is very key. It's a, it's a strong component. But again, if we're worried about the preparation, if we're worried about what we can do, then somewhere we've left God behind because it shouldn't go beyond the sense of concern. See, like for I'll give you an again. Do you guys mind this? I'm using this example because it, it's fitting. It seems very fitting. So we've got one combine over there sitting, and Laramie's tried... Several times, we've got about 40 acres done, and it just, it, just, it just can't get it done, right? Do you sense some sense of frustration from me? Yeah. A little bit. Thank you. <laughs> I'm still trying to hold it in wraps because there's really nothing I can do. So what did I do? One of the things, uh, Gail, that I did for preparation is I called another guy, and I said, Say, are you done combining? 
Yeah, he says, we are. We are. I said, what would, it, would it be a possibility for me maybe to, uh, to I'll hire a truck to get your combine over there on field side so that when this thing does go, and if it does go, that we would have two machines there? Oh, he said, yeah, that'd be fine. Do you, see, do you see the difference? Now, I'm not worried about that. What I'm doing is I'm banging on doors. Is there something else I can do to be ready for the situation as it unfolds? Do you see the difference? Because now, if, if, if we're worrying about preparation, then I think we've missed the sense of preparation versus, again, there's something, if, if we're worrying, it's something we can't do anything about. Do you see it? If there's something we can do something about, game on. Bring it. Let's get busy. But there's a lot of things that you have no control over. That's worry when we get involved in that. Does that does it make sense? You have to make that decision. Yes, you, yes, you do. When you're worrying and when you're planning. Yeah. When you're planning. That's correct. Yeah, sometimes it's every minute. You have to turn it over because you take it back. Oh, that's, that's the next thing. That's the next thing. Have any of you given your worries over? Yes, praise God, right? And you know what the first thing you do? You go and take them back. I'll take that again. I like that. I want to hang on to that. I want to worry and really just have a great time just having a terrible time. And, uh, oh, I hate this. I can't stand this. Oh, I'm worried. Oh, I'll give it back. Here, it's yours. <laughs> Boy, I feel better. I feel, all the peace. I mean, nothing's getting done with that, though. I got to go get it again. <laughs> right? That's what go, it got, That must drive God crazy. Right? But it's true. It's really true. What have we, but what have we done when we went over to the wall and grabbed that, that worry back off the wall? We have failed to trust him. We failed to trust him. Number one, trusting God. Number one, trusting God. Now, one of the things that's important. Now, how do you know you can trust God? Now, you, well, we read some verses. But in your life, more than likely, one of the things that makes the trust in the future or for tomorrow even more successful is when you turn around and you look and see how he has been faithful in bringing you something that happened yesterday or before that. That is a key component for myself. There are numerous examples where God has, has brought me out of a very, very difficult situation. Some of them, they didn't even... You know, you know what happens? You're worried about stuff that never even happens because God is interceding. That's key to trusting him now is turning around and allowing yourself to go back and see... Man, that was really cool how God took care of that. I think that's a key component, is remembering. You go through all of, you know, like Stephen, remember him, that martyr in chapter 7 of Acts? He replayed the whole historical background of how God protected and delivered the Israelites. He went on, and all of that was something that they taught to their kids. That's something that we need to do. In the families in which we're growing, you know, this is, God really, really worked right here in, in, this, in this event in our family. It was, it was huge. Somehow, he did a miraculous work. What does that do? That instills trust. That instills courage in the fact we can trust in God. And that's something that is taught as well as caught. Trusting in the Lord. <laughs> trusting in him. Yes, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. You guys should write that one down. If you don't know that verse, write it down. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. It's absolutely key because here's what's going to happen. When you start to trust, and again, I'm using this wall just as a place we're hanging our worries today, and you, take, and you leave them there, one of the things that happens is those thoughts keep coming. Not every single thought that pops into your head is from God. You have to take those captive. There's going to be something, oh, you can't trust God with that. Of course you can't trust him. You've got to deal that with yourself. You've got to go handle that. So you walk back over. And see, that's important that you know the scriptures so that the Holy Spirit can literally light up your mind to see what's right and what's wrong and capture every single thought. Because there's a lot of them that are going to come in. Oh, you don't, you don't want to trust in God. Look what happened in the Garden of Eden. The first sin that ever happened. Satan, what did he do? He cast doubt into Adam and Eve. You can't trust God. Did he really? Did he really say that? Oh, imagine that. What do you mean you can't eat of every tree in the garden? What kind of a God is that to withhold from you things that are that? Do you see what I'm saying? All of those things kind of just go, go through our minds. Those have to be quiet. They must be distilled. They must be cast out. Trusting in him. And if he's present, there isn't anything that he can't handle. Nothing. Now, I do want to say, I think I probably said it already, but worry is a sin. It really is. I've got, I've, got a, I've got a guy that I'll name, leave unnamed. He's at one of the places that we have cows. 
uh, and quite a number of them. He's there by himself. He's an older gentleman. And he'll call a lot of times. And it's just sometimes it's, it's little stuff, right? And maybe he just wants to talk to somebody. That's great. But he'll say this. He said, I'm worse than an old woman. I've got to worry about worrying. And if I can't have anything to worry about, I'm worried about not worrying about worrying something. Right? <laughs> and we make it. But, you know, really, he is. He's, he's almost. And it's amazing. He just gets himself so trapped. And he calls me in desperation, not knowing what to do. And about, I said, oh, I just about gave his name away. I didn't. Okay. I would just say, I'd say his name. I said, just relax. This is all good. We can get through this. So let's just slow down. Tell me what's, what's the worst thing that's happening right now. Oh, let's see. And then we'll get to, oh, that isn't that bad. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? It's all about perspective. It's all about laying it out there. It's all about that. Well, there's a number two. And at this rate, we're not going to get done, are we? So uh, let's go with number two. And this one, oh, let's go to our text, which you haven't been using very much, have we? I'm sorry. Let's go back to, to uh, Psalm chapter 37. Thank you. Psalm 37, and it starts off immediately in verse 1. Fret not thyself. Don't get anxious about anything, really. And in verse 3 it says, as a result, Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. He's going to take care of your needs when you trust in Him. The second one we find in verse 4. Delight thyself in the Lord. Delight thyself in the Lord. And you say, what does that mean? Delight yourself in the Lord. Tell me what that looks like. And I think contentment is very much, again, the opposite of worry. When you're contented, by the way, you can be content and the situation and the circumstance hasn't changed. Think with me with Paul. In the, in the Philippians. He wrote Philippians from a jail. And that's where that verse came from that you just said. Contentment, even in difficult circumstances, what is it? That means that you've given this circumstance to God. I'm here to do whatever you want me to do next. And that's one of my favorite things that I talk with God now. Especially when I'm, for instance, this morning when uh, Kristen called me. I said, Kristen, I need to pray about that. And the first thing I'm thinking about is, God, what do you want me to do next? What do you want me to do right now? Now, and in that instance, you know what it was? Pray. Let's talk. Pray about it. That's usually the first thing that we should be doing all of the time, putting, putting those requests in his mailbox, if you will. Isn't that cool? He, he get, he, he's not like our post. Hopefully I don't get in trouble here. <laughs> God picks up the mail every day, every hour, every second. He's there for you. There, there's not a time. Oh, it's a holiday. Oh, it's after hours. Oh, you don't qualify. Oh, you didn't, you didn't put enough postage on it. Oh, you, you see what I'm saying? Every single time that you want to talk to Christ, to God, He is right there listening. He's ready to take your mail. He's ready to take all of those things that are concerns to you. Now, I'm going to have, in, in view of time, I'm going to just give you some verses um, in the sense of delight. Well, let's go, let's go to one of them. We're real close. Psalm chapter 40. Let's go there. Psalm chapter 40 and verse 8. Psalm 40, verse 8. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yes, my, thy law is within my heart. There's a delight about the law. I'll t- turn to one more. Psalm 119. That's the longest chapter in the Bible. has a lot to say about the law, the word of God. Psalm 119, verse 16 says this. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Now, I could give you a lot more uh, verses about delight. And here's what, here's what you'd find. Is you'd find more things about delighting in the law, delighting in the word, than it talks about even delighting thyself in the Lord. Now, it did in, in Psalm chapter 37. But let me ask you this. Let's talk about delight for a second. What is the thing that you, let's say you, let's say you have a relationship, thinking back maybe as spouses, and you're thinking about that loved one, that one that you, what, was, what did you want to be with that person? Oh, I gave it, gave it away. What's the one thing that is over the top when you have a relationship of love? You want to be with that person. You want to hear what that person has to say. All of those words. See, that's exactly the idea here. That sense of delight is to love the words that God is literally saying for us to pick up and to receive. 
See, to, to, to catch that love, to delight in him, to delight in his word. That is, that is the key component. And again, the more we delight ourselves in the sense of the words that he's given to us, the more we delight in him and the more ultimately, guess what goes out the window? Worry. Anxiety cannot exist in that place. Do we take joy in him and what he is doing? These words are a reflection of who they are, just like these words in the word of God. It's a reflection of who God is. Let's go back to uh, Psalm chapter 37, if you're still there, and let's look at number 3. We'll find it in verse 5. Not only are we to trust in the Lord, to delight thyself in the Lord, but we are to commit thy way unto the Lord. Commit your way. Tell me how you're committing. How do you commit? Okay. To commit is to give, to just give. Commit your, do I have way or what do I have there? What did it say? Your way to the Lord. Okay. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4 for a moment. It talks about giving, your, giving these things to God. He's going to talk about it. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Philippians 4, 6. We'll start at verse 4, 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. We were looking at that a couple of weeks ago. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Now watch verse 6. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. When we're doing that, there are three circles in your life. We're going to come to our three circles on the board. There are three of them. They were actually listed for us in verse 6 of chapter 4 of Philippians. Now, you have what is the worry circle. This is the worry circle. How full is your worry circle? Pretty full. Pretty full huh? In fact, what I should have done is maybe made the other two smaller and made a big worry circle, right? <laughs> okay. How much stuff is supposed to be in your worry circle if you read Philippians chapter 4, verse 6? Zero. This baby should be empty. Fuel gauge on a worry circle? Empty. E. Empty. I'm not even going to put empty in there because you'd be worrying about empty, right? <laughs> right? I'm worried I don't have anything to worry about. That's, that's this other guy that I was talking about, right? It should be empty. In fact, that's exactly what it says. It says, oops, I'm back in Psalm. What did it say? Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Okay, where did it go? I'm going to get there, and I'm going to hold it this time. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing. Be careful for nothing in the King James. Okay, so if we're not going to worry about anything, we've got another circle here, and it's called the prayer circle. Now, before you, you know what the right answer is, but before you do that, these circles very often get confused. And we fill the worry circle before we even attempt to put anything into the prayer circle. Right? right. So what we have normally is we have an empty prayer circle... And we got a full, massive, overflowing worry circle. There's so many things to worry about, we can't even keep them all in there. In fact, usually what happens is something we're worrying about that didn't happen just kind of goes away, and we got another one to fill its place. How much goes into the prayer circle, according to Philippians 4, 6? Everything. Everything. You want to talk to God about everything. Relationships. Problems situations, everything, 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 everything. Without ceasing, yeah, praying without ceasing. It should just be part of the very essence of who you are. Now, the other circle is the... Want to take a guess? Excuse me? 
Results? Peace. Peace. Oh, that's going to work out really nicely. Because you just hold that word peace. That's not it. That's the wrong answer, but it's going to work out perfect. It's going to work out really nicely because it's one I would forgot about. So just hold on to that, Jerry. Now, if we're not worrying about anything and we're praying about everything, guess what we have time to do then? There's a circle of gratitude. Gratitude. How many of you have been thankful enough this week? The answer is none of us are ever thankful enough. And this circle should have anything It's right there because we are to be thankful for all things. Because all things work together for the good of those that love God. He's working all of this stuff together. Even when we don't understand some of it. Now, you know what happens when those three things are that way? The worry circle is empty. The prayer circle has everything in it. And the gratitude circle has anything in it. You know what that equals? Victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus and ultimately, which is peace. Peace and contentment. And that are the two, those are the two things that are absent if your worry circle is full. Because if your worry circle is full, you're not praying about anything, and you certainly don't have time to be, to be thankful for anything either. Isn't that not right? right. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. Exactly right. Yep. Now, there's one more. And it is rest in the Lord. We find that back in uh, Psalm chapter 37. We'll see if we can't. uh, Let's go back to Psalm 37 and verse 7. Now, what do we have? We have trust in the Lord, verse 3. We have delight thyself in the Lord, verse 4. We have commit thy way unto the Lord, verse 5. And in verse 7, we have rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself. How do you rest in the Lord? Let me just, I, I, hopefully this will help. I'm, now, I could be wrong, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to suggest this. Every one of you entered this building through two ways. It can only be one of two ways. You came through this door, or you came through that other door. Okay? You came in, and you may have lingered, you may have chatted, you may have done some different things. But as you approach the chair in which you're all, everyone is seated, with the exception of myself, Ryan's in the kitchen, but he was seated, so I don't think he had a problem with it either. If he does, he'll tell me. But you would have approached the chair like this. Ooh, I don't know about that one. Let's see. That leg right there looks like it's not going to hold me. Um, that's the one in the middle row. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one in the middle row. Okay. But, but in other words, you, you would have taken special attention and you're just checking this thing out from front to back. Oh, this screw's loose here. I don't know if I can sit in that chair. I don't know if it'll hold me. You know what? I'm almost guaranteed that every one of you just came and you just slid right into that seat without giving it any second thought. That's what resting in the Lord is. When you've trusted Him, when you've delighted in Him, when you've committed your way, the resting just is just, oh, you just settle right into Him. And there's a real sense of stability in all of that. And you know what happens? Worry goes right out the window. There's no place for it to cling or hang on to. Now, we, you've talked about some of this in Ephesians, but uh, anger, and actually in verse 8, we're not going to talk about that today, but um, anger or wrath or, or just a real sense of... I just said it. Just leave it at that, anger. Let, let's go to Ephesians. just popped in my head. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5 for a second. This, this fits very well because this is literally how worry is as well. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. And I'll have to find it here a second, but I think I can. Maybe. We're going to find it in chapter 4. There we go. Here we go. Chapter 4 of Ephesians. And let's start in verse 26. Here we go. Ephesians 4, verse 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't let a lot of time take place for you to be in an angry state of... Because, look, at there's a colon at the end of wrath in verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. Um, where was that? Uh, there was a, um, a battle in World War II. The, uh, Nor- was it Normandy? Where they were trying to capture this beachhead. Normandy, okay. What was that in France? 
Okay. They were, what, what we were trying to do, the Allies, were trying to gain access to a landmass, but they could only do it from the sea and to just get a beachhead. Literally some place to just start. That is exactly the same thought in verse 27 of verse, four, of chap, verse 27 of chapter 4 in Ephesians. For instance, anger or worries the same way. If we worry and worry and worry and worry, we have given a beachhead to Satan. We have allowed him entrance literally into the library of your mind. We talked about that in, in making our home, our heart, our life open so that Jesus Christ is comfortable there. And he'll go through and clean some things up. When we give a beachhead through extended anger, through extended worry, through, we could go on and on. Those are places that he then can put his flag and he's there encompassed and entrenched to do more damage. Don't let it happen. Keep this circle, keep this tank of worry empty, empty, empty. Today, if you've got worries in your tank right here, right now, get rid of them. And the nice thing is, is they're transferable. (laughs) They're transferable. You can take them from the worry circle right on into the prayer circle. And then when God does something with it because you've trusted him, you've delighted him, you've committed your ways to him, you see that he's the one that did it. And then you can thank him for taking you out of that particular mess. Isn't that true? Absolutely. Worry. It almost now reminded me of another. I was actually studying this earlier today. And I think it makes more sense just tying it together. There's, a, there's some things that Jesus Christ said. It was almost, it was an invitation to those that were surrounding him. It was his, his words in Matthew. And I think these things that we've talked about today are literally almost the encompassing of all of that thing. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11 for a moment. Talk about being contented and released. Jesus Christ is saying these things. Matthew chapter 11. Let's go there for a second. Matthew 11. I'll get there. And we're going to start at verse 28. There are three quick things we want to look at this. And we're going to have to hurry because Ryan's got it smelling really good. Those, <laughs> it smells really, really good right here. Here we go. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, Come unto me, all you that, are, that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of uh, what do I say symbolism within those those words that he uses, but some of it had to do with you think about the people living in that day. Uh, Sadducees and Pharisees, the religious scribes and leaders, were literally just a heavy weight over the top of these people, having them do literally hundreds and hundreds of things to do enough stuff so that God's happy with you. Now, that hasn't stopped then. It's all over the place today again. Is doing your way to God. That is, did you see what he said? Did he say, do? He said, come unto me. Come unto me. See the difference? It's massive. And, and again, what do you do when you have all of this piled stuff on top of you? Oh, your burden is heavy. It's like getting up in the morning. How would you like to do it? Tomorrow morning, I want you all to go get a backpack, put 100 pounds of rocks in it, and then when you walk out the door, just put that bad boy on. Oh, I feel so, so, so heavy, right? And then what is Jesus saying? I'm going to take that backpack off, and I'm going to free you, and it, my yoke is easy. I will give you rest. Isn't that exactly what this is turning into? The worry scene? It's exactly right. Come on to me. He will give you peace. Take. And then he has the word take. Take, a, take my yoke. How many of you put a yoke on this week? Maybe not very many of you. What is a yoke? D- did you? What does that mean? Take my yoke upon you. What, now, now, sometimes we'll say that we're pulling for God or pulling for Christ, I'd much rather pull with him. And the nice thing is where it says my burden is, my yoke is, how does it say it? Let me just say, I better find it here a second. Let me read it again. My, yeah, and 
my, take, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. That's a whole other one. I am meek and lowly, blah, blah, blah. There, my yoke is easy. Do you know what that means? It's well fitted for you. It's been tailor-made. He has fit it perfectly for you. Because, why? Because Jesus Christ is right there with you. He's right with you in all of this. He's giving you rest. Excuse me? That yoke is used to pull. That's right. If it's easy, that means there's not much to pull. No, and and it's, it's perfectly fit for you. You see, I look out here and I see all of these different faces. And in this week, God has prepared, he's prepared you for a different facet. Not every one of you is going to do everything the same. Thank goodness. Can you imagine how messed up our world would be? <laughs> it already is. <laughs> <laughs> and it already is. And we're not even doing that. A good point. But the, the point, <laughs> that was really good. I tell you what, that was really good. The, the point is, is that he has made a yoke for you that is tailor-made. It fits perfectly. And he's right there with you with contentment and peace that you just rest in him. I can't think of that passage being any more clear than what we just talked about here in the sense of giving our worry over to God. I'd like to look at two, two more things quickly. There are two senses of peace. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. This is what would be called peace with God. And that's first. You've got to have peace with God first. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace, watch it, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's accomplished. In, in other words, without having the Lord Jesus Christ, you still have the sin problem. You can't whip it. You can't, you can't beat it. The only way is to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. And guess what? Foof! There is peace with God. No more enmity. That's the first place to start. And, then, and that's really, literally, if you take the, uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, when he says, come, that's what he's talking about. He's giving you the peace with God. When you take that yoke upon you, then you're getting the peace of God. And that makes your life after receiving Christ as being full and content. What a beautiful picture that Jesus is, is giving for us there. All right, any questions or comments? Actually, let's go to, uh, that's, a, that's a really good point that Mary Kay comes up with. Uh, let's go to 1 John. I want to, now, 1 John is a wonderful uh, little book. We, we've went through it a couple of times in the last 20 years. But I want you to see, and it always has struck me as odd, but it's perfect. Uh, verse 21 of 1 John chapter 5. This is the last verse that John is giving to, the, to his readers. And he says this. Little children, in other words, dear children, this is his beloved ones that he's writing to, keep yourself from idols. Amen. That seems odd, but what is an idol? Mary Kay, you just said it. Anything that keeps us, or anything that, let's put it, say it different, anything that takes place of God. I want to tell you a quick story about my friend Josh one more time, just to tell you where his walk was. He, uh, he told, this has been probably a year ago or something like that, and he had some, he had some collector cars. I'm talking like really expensive ones. And he called me one night. And he said, Larry, I'm going to sell my cars. Well, it's, you know, I, <laughs> okay. Yeah, he says, you know what? God just, he just showed me that they were an idol. I, I love them too much. I need to get rid of them. And he did. See, it's anything in our life that is taking the place of God. And worry can do that. It sounds like a stupid thing. Yeah, I want to cling on to a worry rather than trust God. Oh, my word, people. What are we thinking about here, right? Do you see how silly some of this stuff is that we cling to? It's pride. It's pride. We're going to do it ourselves. We're going to do it ourselves. And I've said it, especially over the last six, I've been saying the last six or seven weeks, it just it was pounding me. There is no place for self in heaven. It won't be there. So, therefore, let's get used to it and let's cast self out here. Let's trust in God. Make our lives easier, simpler, more contented. All right, anything else? 
practicing it. That's right. That's easy, right? Right, Mary? It's easy. Of course it's not. All right. Oh, one more verse. One more verse. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Colossians 3, 15. And then we're going to shut it down. Colossians chapter 3, in verse 15. I'm going to start in verse uh, 14. Above all of these things, put on charity or love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God, not the peace with God, the peace of God, rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Isn't that a great place to be? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness, your mercy. And Father, thank you for caring enough for us that you want us to pray about everything, to give it to you. May we this week learn more fully to trust in you, to delight in you, to commit our ways to you. Father, how rich and how full our lives become when we trust you with the things that concern us because they concern you as well. May our worry circle be empty and our prayer circle be full. And our gratitude circle, Father, that's where peace comes from. When we trust enough to thank you for what you're doing in our lives, the contentedness and the peace, which Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8 talks about, then the peace will come upon us. Father, thank you for all that you're doing. We do pray again for this week as it unfolds. And these folks, as they leave this place, going to do whatever it is you have them to be doing, Father, that you would just overflow them, just overwhelm them with their incomprehensible love. Hold them close to yourself. May they be contented in you. Father, we pray for your your word as it goes out. We pray for decisions that are made. We just trust you with our lives in everything we do and say. May it bring glory and honor before you and your son, Jesus Christ in whose name we pray. Amen.